All right, guys, welcome to the Lift podcast. This is episode seven. Is that seven? Uh, yes. Um, yeah, it is. It's going to be a little bit different today. We're going to kind of take it away from the nutrition side of it a little bit, and we're going to bring it to training because we've been asked quite a few questions on training. Uh, I put a couple of videos up on Facebook, Instagram, last couple of weeks, last couple of days even. Uh, so who's going to elaborate a little bit more on that? Because I know you guys like to train. I know you like that side of things. So, yeah, see what you get out of this one. So the first thing I want to do, uh, basically, if you listened to the podcast last week, um, I kind of made a bit of a, an error. I did say that creatine was an energy. And I didn't really realize I'd said that until I went back and listened to it. And actually, creatine technically isn't an energy. And I do get a little bit anal, you know, maybe she didn't even pick up on it, but I do get a little bit anal if I've said something and it's not quite true. I do like to rectify myself. Um, so creatine isn't technically an energy. What creatine is, creatine is an organic compound, which is stored in the muscle. So your body requires ATP for energy. So it produces ATP as energy so when you're eating food your food isn't the energy your food is used to produce atp which is used as energy does that make sense yeah so basically atp is stored in the muscles in very very small amounts creatine is also stored in the muscle in a little bit more amount but it's used to produce atp so like atp is sort of the body's currency in a way yeah, pretty much. So you've got, basically you have three energy systems. So you've got your oxidative system, you've got your glycolytic system, and you've got your creatine phosphate system. So you've got your three systems. These three systems are just different ways of producing ATP for, to use so you can move around, do exercise, whatever it is that you do, and living, living. You need ATP. If you didn't have ATP, you would die, pretty much, because you'd have no life <laughs> um, no energy or anything so basically oxidative system so this is your first system this is what it does it uses oxygen so it can metabolize carbohydrates and fat to produce ATP yeah so this is your everyday walking around moving around um, then you have your glycolytic system which uses glucose to produce ATP yeah yeah this is a faster system, so glucose, is, if you have, don't already know, is very kind of readily available. It's what your body prefers as its source of energy. Um, it's very quickly metabolized to perform, to produce ATP. And then you've got your creatine phosphate system, which was, we kind of spoke about in the podcast last week. I only kind of touched on it. said it was an energy, and it's, it's not technically an energy. Um, but your creatine system, this is very rapidly transferred into ATP to produce power. So I hope that kind of did clarify a few things. Um, so the creatine system is basically for, say, deadlifts, for example, just strong sort of powerful deadlifts. Yeah, so if you think of the creatine system. Yeah, right? so if you think of kind of one rep maxes or something like that, you're using, you pretty much just using the creatine system. You need to develop power. Think of a sprinter. A sprinter needs to develop power. He needs that. It's just technically creatine that he's using. This is why if, if you're looking at what sprinters do when they're training, they're actually, when they're sprinting, they don't then do another sprint two minutes later because they don't replenish their creatine stores. What they do is they'll sit out and they'll probably sit around for about 20 or 30 minutes mm. to replenish, warm up again, and then do another sprint. 
because it takes a while for the creatine to be replenished. Whereas things like carbohydrates, it's a little bit quicker to be replenished. And obviously oxygen, we have an abundance of oxygen. So that was why your oxidative system is your most efficient system. The preferred system. So somewhat, so creatine's used for like say one rep maxes and stuff. The gly, I can't say the word. Glycolytic system. Glycolytic, so, yeah. So. So you have your aerobic system, then you have your kind of anaerobic system. Yeah. So glycolytic and your creatine phosphate is your anaerobic, which means without oxygen. Aerobic is with oxygen. Yeah. Yeah, does that make a little bit of sense? Yeah, makes more sense. So what sort of, so say, would that be sort of like the runners? Like say, long distance sort of running, would they be more, kind of say? Yeah, so if you're a long distance runner, then the systems you need to develop is your oxidative system. And you also need to develop your glycolytic system because they're the two systems that you're going to be pretty much using. What runners generally do is they'll use, they'll know where their threshold is. So they'll know where their body transitions from using oxygen to then using glucose. So what they'll do is they'll stay just below the threshold and then they'll run for a certain distance when they want to speed up a little bit because your glycolytic system only lasts for about 90 seconds then they'll get a short burst of energy. This is why you see runners, they'll be running, they'll get overtake, and then all of a sudden they'll have that burst of energy. Yeah. They're, they're manipulating the energy systems. So they sort of have a little breakthrough and sort of... Yeah. Yeah. This is why it becomes a little bit more sport performance and it does kind of lifestyle and fat loss, but it's nice to know, and it's, it's important to know, really, because it's how your body works. And it's kind of, it's nice to know how your body works and how you produce energy for everyday life. Yeah. So I hope that kind of made a little bit of sense. Um, which it does kind of bring us into the training side of things today. Um, and I'm going to use this as more as a, as a question because these are a couple of questions that were being asked and I just find it rolls a little bit better if it's questions rather than just yeah. sort of... Like going from bullet point to bullet point, just talking about each different thing. Yeah, pretty much. Going from question, then we're going to elaborate on certain things. Yeah, and, and this is from, uh, from Daniel. Daniel, who's one of our, our members in the gym, he asked this question about training. Um, and what he kind of started with, he'd love to hear some info on full body training, the pros and cons of, oh, sorry, the pros and the cons versus split training. Now, but our systems and lift is pretty much, very much about full body training. And there's a reason why this is. To get the best results from the muscles, from strength, um, from development, changing your body composition, you need to stimulate the muscles more than once a week. So let's just say you train three times a week and you do um, a split training. So let's just say you do body part split. You do your shoulders and your arms maybe on a Monday. You do Mm -hmm. your legs and your ass on a Wednesday. And then you do your chest and your triceps on on a Friday. You're only hitting that muscle groups once a week. If you then change out to full body training, you're then getting a three day stimulus you're hitting on muscle groups every single time you train three days a week yeah it's different if you go to four or five times or six times a week training then you can look to splits um but for most people who have busy lives you know the, the generally people generally train two to three times a week and people don't necessarily need to do any more than this this is why i love full body training i still do do upper lower splits i think this can work especially if someone's training four times a week um but it just totally depends on how much you're training, you know, um, time you have available, all these kind of things. But there's no right or wrong. 
But what I would say, if you want to maximize your performance in the gym, you need to stimulate muscle groups more than once a week. You know, kind of research suggests two to three times if you can stimulate that muscle group once or twice a week. And the other way to look at it as well, let's say that you're training, just say you're doing your legs, right? You do squats, do heavy set of squats, your legs are going to be pretty fatigued. Then you're going to set of walking lunges, all right? They're going to be quite fatigued off that. Then just say you finish off with a leg press. By the time you get your leg press, your performance is going to be declined quite a bit. Mm. Yes, you've got a lot of volume in your legs, but your performance on the leg press is going to be less. Yeah. Yeah. But then let's just say you squat on a Monday, you get a good, stronger squat. By the time you come to Wednesday, your legs are going to be recovered. You're going to get maximum effort again from your lunges. Yeah. And then you train on the Friday and you do leg press. Your leg press is going to gain. Your performance on the leg press is going to be so much better because you've had that recovery time in between. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of why I would select the full body training. Yeah. What type do you do? you structure yours in a full yeah, body? Yeah, I sort of do full body, but then there was also a point in which I used to do three, ta- so three times a week full body, Monday, Tuesday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. But then during sort of the Santa Shred, which was a challenge that I did, um, I did four days, four days a week, which was like upper, lower, upper, lower, which although, I don't know, I don't know which one I preferred to be fair, because I sort of felt better after each training session when I was doing full body, because obviously I'd, like everywhere was basically like pumped up, and I sort of felt felt like like I don't know how to, I don't know how to explain it, but I sort of felt a bit bit bigger in each of the areas that yeah. I was working on them days. But with the upper lower, say I'd walk out the gym, and my legs would feel like probably like pumped up and just like bigger than usual. Which um, then like so then the next day I would do upper, and then my arms and my chest and my back would everything everything would just feel like feel like have you seen um don't know if any of you have seen. Batman, where Bane, like injects like the um the li- like the serum stuff, and he gets absolutely massive. That's literally what I felt. He goes That's from like film. yeah, he goes he goes from like some norm- that. I think it might be one of the animated ones to be fair, but like sort of um, he goes from just a normal size, well, fair enough, not normal size, but like sort of like a, quite a big bloke, to a, like literally Hulk-sized monster. He's like, she quite pumped. Aye. But, but again, from the trainer side, this is where, another way you can look at it. If you're just purposely looking for volume, then, you know, having just a lower body day is a good way of just getting volume in there. Mm. So it it just depends entirely on, on your... On preference, your, really. Yeah, your preference, exactly. At the minute, for me personally, at the minute, I'm training five days a week, and I train full body five days a week. Um, and I hit each body part once every time I do it. So I'm hitting my body part five times in that week, but I just find I get so much better recovery from it and I'm, at the minute I'm just getting really good results from it yeah. but then what I'd probably do is I'll change it up and I might think okay I want a bit more recovery so I'm going to go up a lower split um, so that's giving me a lot more recovery in between the training days Yeah. Um, so it's just kind of assessing where you're at and what you want to get out with your training for a start Yeah. Uh, but I think it's you know if, if you're just looking purposely say just for fat loss and I would say full body training is definitely the way to go if you're looking more maybe from a a muscle development point of view, um, then you could maybe look at sort of full body slash upper lower. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, if you if you train six days a week and there's no reason why you can't do sort of uh, body part splits, there's, there's no right or wrong. One question that I had when we were just thinking about that, I just thought of it there. So what do you mean by sort of, sti- so you talk about sort of like stimulating the muscle as many times per week, so say with full body. Yeah. So does that mean sort of like taking it through a different range of motion so like say with a bicep curl versus sort of 
like a row? Um, not really. So if you think about it, if you want a muscle to grow or develop or get stronger, you need to give it some stimulation. Whether that's strength, hypertrophy, whatever it is, you need to give that some stimulation. If you're only stimulating that on a Monday, and then you don't stimulate that again until the following Monday, you've gone six days without giving any form of stimulation. Yeah. You're not encouraging it to grow or get stronger. If you then stimulate that two or three times a week, then you're going to give it a better chance of growing and developing and becoming stronger because you're giving yeah. that regular stimulus. It's like anything, you know, if you're kind of, if you don't stimulate your mind, you become a bit no upstairs. Yeah, just come a bit yeah. switched off. Yeah, I mean, like I, I used the, uh, what I said last, we had that podcast just on me about when I was working in a factory, I couldn't even, you know, I hadn't even wrote my name hardly for the past nine years and then I went to university. I hadn't been stimulating my brain, so I really struggled. Mm. Now I don't get that problem because I stimulate my brain on a regular basis. The muscles are exactly the same. Yeah. Stimulating them more regularly will give it more chance of growing and developing. So does, say, if someone sort of stimulates it three times a week, so say, we'll do the example that you give. So squats on a Monday, sort of, squat. so squats on a Monday, Wednesday comes to reverse lunges, and Friday comes to leg press. Does those range of motions differ between the stimulus, or is it just, like, say, if you squat, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, does that make any difference at all or is it just Not sort really. of... So, I mean, you could squat Monday, Wednesday, Friday if you want. You don't have to do leg presses or lunges. What I would do then, I would manipulate the, the training, what the type of training that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to get to that actually in a minute, um, but you could you could manipulate that a little bit. Um, so you could do maybe more strength-based on a Monday, more sort of hypertrophy, muscle damage work on a Wednesday, a Wednesday and then you could do maybe higher rep stuff on a Friday. Mm-hmm. So you're hitting different, you're giving it a different stimulus. Yeah. But you're still stimulating it to encourage growth, development. All right, yeah. Um, makes sense? Yeah, makes more sense. Uh, another, well, so is it possible to create muscle in a calorie deficit? From a physiological point of view, no. Because you, you can't build something from nothing. Yeah, you, if you are in a calorie deficit, how are you going to build? It's like trying to build a house with no bricks. Or with negative 200 bricks. Yeah, <laughs> you, you can't do it. But... The human body is very, very kind of complex. No. So that's like the basic black and white version. Um, but there is two main ways that you can still build muscle in a calorie deficit. One, if you haven't strength trained before or lifted weights, and that's what you start doing. Because then you're giving your muscles a different stimulus. So all the calories that you're taking in are going to be used to actually develop that muscle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you could be in a calorie deficit and you can still add muscle. This is why when you see kind of... Uh, especially young lads at a very young age they'll start training they don't change the diet they don't do anything and all of a sudden they've got guns and they're like wow yeah, all of a sudden they're absolutely like shredded yeah. they've got like massive huge well not massive but they've got de- nicely developed arms and shoulders and chest and think this is the best thing ever but then after six months nothing yeah. changes yeah. and then they're like oh no what's happening because basically because they give the body that different stimulus it's, it's adapted to it and once you adapt you just kind of stop changing um, so yeah, so a new beat to strength training that could add muscle, and if you if you take an, um, you know, enhancements so such so, as so steroids, yeah. then you can be in a calorie deficit and not and, and still add muscle. Yeah, so they're the two main scenarios. Um, but you know, this is the thing. If I did say this on the Facebook live, if you if you're in the maintenance stage, is quite a, quite a, a unique phase to be in. Um, what you find is. If you when you, so say you, you cut down quite a bit and you're losing a bit of fat, body fat, you're shaping up, then you go back up to the maintenance phase, you can actually add muscle and lose fat 
it's not really black and white or set in stone or any kind of linear progress it's just something that happens your body shape generally can change a bit in the maintenance stage because some days you could be in a deficit some days you could be in a, a surplus and it's it's quite a good stage to be at to sort of change your body composition mm. but for black and white no you can't create muscle in a deficit fair enough um and he has put finally one last thing, but it's actually not really a last thing because it actually goes on to quite a bit. Uh, so what is the best way to structure a workout in terms of, now this breaks it down to three categories, exercise choice, okay? So again, I'll go back to how our program here at Lift. The main thing I want to do, I want to hit every muscle group. So I'm just going to go through, this is how I would develop a program. I want to go through every muscle group. So the first thing, I will put all four human movements in that program. So that's a knee dominant movement, it's a hip hinge movement, it's a push movement, and it's a pull movement. They are non-negotiables, that's what will be in my program straight away. The first four things that will be in there. So knee dominant, so these are, you know, you're gonna be using your quads here, so you think, you're talking things like lunges, squats, leg press, leg extensions, these kind of things. You've got your hip hinge, now you're looking at your deadlifts, your 45, your hip extensions, glute bridges, um, hip thrusts, etc., RDLs, mm -hmm. these kind of things. Then you've got your push, uh, so that you, so your hip hinge would be your hamstrings and your butt. Yeah. yeah. So you've got your quads with the knees, you've got your hamstrings and your glutes with the hip uh, dominant. Then you've got your push, so you're thinking push-ups, overhead presses, bench presses, anything where you're using your chest and your arms and you're pushing things away from you. Yeah, yeah. self-explanatory. Yeah, so triceps, chest, and then you're looking at any kind of pulling movement. Pull-ups, rows, any movement where you're pulling weight towards you, um, or you're pulling yourself towards something, uh, so using your back and using your biceps. So that kind of sounds like bodybuilding, but it's, it's not. It's just, yeah. they're the basic human movements. Your body can't do anything. Nothing can do rotation, but we're not really talking about rotation, but they're the four main movements your body can do. There's no other movements it can do. Mm. Yeah, you can do a knee dominant, you can do a hip dominant. But all movements sort of break down to them for them somewhere four. yeah whether they're dominant or they've sort of got two dominant and then other two are sort of involved slightly yeah like so, so you could argue certain ones like so for a, for a squat you could sort of argue that it's both um knee and hip in some way well the way you got to look at it if you think of a movement so would you say a squat there yeah so like a squat where like you sort of before you go down you sort of push your hips back a little bit you would use your hips in the squat, yeah. but it's not a dominant movement. The dominance isn't in the knees. So, so if you were kind of looking at a deadlift, the dominance is in the hips because you're pushing the hips right back. The squat, you don't do that. So yeah. yes, you break at the hips, but the dominance is in the knees. It's the same with the lunge. So you're still going to hit your hamstrings and your glutes, um, but the dominance is in the actual the knee bend or the knee flexion. Yeah. Whereas the deadlift, RDLs, hip extension, the dominance is in the hip flexion. That makes sense yeah so although yeah. the movement could work sort of different ones be it so like the squat could hit obviously your hamstrings and your glutes and stuff although it's not hip dominant it's knee dominant but it also has a slight use of hip movements yeah so yeah you're not going to kind of isolate your knees and your quads or you're not going to isolate your quads by doing a squat you're still going to use your hamstrings yeah. and your glutes but I would class it as a knee dominant movement. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if it's, everybody everybody has different movement patterns. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've trained one of the lads I used to train with years ago, uh, when I started training, he was about 12 years old, 
I've never seen anyone squat like him. He, he hardly ever used his hips. He literally just came down and he was as straight as a die at the bottom. He was <laughs> like this. Um, and he, you know, it was all in his knees and his quads. Uh, whereas other people are different. The patterns are different because of the mechanics and the, the limb lengths and yeah, all so different all... things. Yeah, I mean, you see people squatting and it actually does look quite hip dominant because of the mechanics and maybe you could argue that is a more dominant movement for them. But, but it depends on their movement pattern itself yeah. rather than... It is. It's like everything. It just so it has to be sort of. It's it's individualized. It's not, not like a one size fits all sort of. No, no. Um, so there will be the four movements that I have in, and then what I will put in after that, I may put some stability work, in, ab stability work, or some form of ab work, or a finisher. Yeah, so a nice little conditioning finisher. Again, whatever specific to that person. But the non-negotiables is the knee, the hip, the push, and the pull. If you can come in and do their movements, that's all you need to do. You can go home. You can leave. But I would look to do them when you come into the gym. And that's how I would structure a program. Mm-hmm. What would you be including, sort of, abs and stability? Just, oh, like, just for anyone, stuff. sort of. Um, so things like hollow bodies, planks, uh, you know, crunches. If you want to do crunches, I'm going to find a sit-up, so I just think there's, there's too much tension on the back. Mm. Um, of the lower spine and things like this. I just like simple things. I think when you come to do your ab work, people get to, you know, they start chucking weights above the head and they do... Uh, Claire was watching something last night and she says, oh, I like watching these videos and it was this, technically, apparently she was an athlete. Athletes don't train the way she was training and she was doing all these really obscure movements but they weren't creating, they weren't doing anything. They would just look good. Yeah. And this is the problem, people it's, start doing really things that look cool but they don't actually do anything. It's like I've noticed some, like something on Instagram sort of being like hashtag super functional training where you see literally like there's I remember um, Paul Lima made a video, obviously taking the mic out of them, but these two American lads were literally, one of them was doing the whole body and the other one was slamming like a proper big um, medicine ball, literally just off his, off his stomach and sort of like, sta- like literally stamping on him to try and, <laughs> to try and do- I don't know why. I mean, so, you know, if, if there's a purpose for it, so if it, if it was something like that, it could be, you could argue that we're conditioning the abs, maybe, maybe if they were fighters or something like that, whereas the, that's the kind of... Maybe it's a strategy that they use with yeah. the, you know, they hit each other in the, in the ass, but it's all controlled. That could be it, but a lot of people do stuff because they think it looks good. And, you know, they're doing things, and it's just, the, but it's not creating any stimulus, and this is the point. If it looks complicated but cool, the chances are it's shit. To be fair, it just looks good. Yeah. The things that are really, really unsexy are the things that work. How sexy is a plank? Honestly, <laughs> it's not sexy at all, is it? It looks boring as hell, but it works. You know, a hollow body looks boring as hell. It looks really unsexy, but it works. And this is the point. People just get too complicated and they try to get too sexy with the training. Try to jazz it up a bit. They try to jazz it up. They try to get too much variety in there and it just, it doesn't work. You've got to have, you've got to have consistency and you've got to have things that work. And that's the stuff that's really basic. You know, the basic movements work. Mm, Pretty much. And um, so the next part was the volume and intensity. Uh, now this is subjective because volume and intensity totally depends on the person and depends what you're trying to achieve. I have got a couple of examples here, so I'm going to use three examples from one spectrum to the other. Let's say you need extreme fat loss. You've got quite a bit of weight, quite a bit of body fat, and you need to lose well, a lot of body fat. Um, I would say you need more volume here over intensity. And what I mean by volume is just more work. Yeah, more repetitions, more work. Um, you want to be burning more fuel. You know, if you've got a lot of weight to lose and you're doing 
three reps on a deadlift and then you're resting for five minutes and you're doing another three reps, you're just wasting your time. Yes, you're mm. going to get stronger, but it's not going to help you lose body fat. If you then increase the volume and then you start doing other things like pushing a prowler and you know doing some chest presses and things like these, but moving around doing a higher rep range, then you're going to burn more fuel. This is not to say that you shouldn't do intensity if you're at this stage. It just means don't do prioritize the, the program. Yeah, don't prioritize it. You, know, you might spend at the beginning of the session doing a deadlift because you like deadlift and you want to get strong at it, but then spend the rest of the session just doing some more fuel burning. Yeah. And then as your body fat comes down, you can kind of transition. And then the other side of it would be extreme strength gain. Um, you know, if you're if you're in a competition and you're doing one rep maxes, then if you're hitting ten reps on a deadlift, it's probably not going to have much correlation to one rep deadlift. The, the goal that you're trying to achieve. Yeah. And again, it's not to say that it couldn't be in your program but it wouldn't be the priority of the program. Yeah. The priority of the program would be intensity over volume. Does that make kind yeah, of sense? Makes, yeah, perfect sense. And then you've got the middle bit, which is where most people are at, you know, and this is, you have, this is more body development. So if we develop a muscle, we want to develop your shape, you kind of want to work through all the ranges. And there's three ways you can, there's three kind of systems you can work through. So the first one's mechanical tension, so you can think of this as more strength, so three to five reps. Muscle damage, which is more hypertrophy. Yes, this is again more muscle building side of things, and you're looking more eight to 12 reps with this. And then you've got your metabolic stress, which is your 15 plus. This is the pump. So when you're doing high rep work and you mm-hmm. get the pump in your muscles and you feel kind of swollen at the end of it. Uh, and going back to that example with the squat, what you said before, so you could use that as an example. So you could do Monday, three to five strength, and then maybe Monday, Wednesday, you could do more muscle damage work, so hypertrophy work, sticking to the 8 to 12, focusing on the movement as opposed to just focus on the weight that you're lifting. And then you're looking at your metabolic stress, so you could say, we're not going to squat for high reps, maybe you do a leg press or something, or something else for high reps, just to create that metabolic stress, mm-hmm. and, you know, get that pump, pump on. Yeah. Yeah. So, with, um, just a quick question about the metabolic stress, so... Obviously, mechanical tension, strength, uh, muscle damage, hypertrophy. So, metabolic stress, is that purely just sort of for that feeling in that moment? or but, So, I'd like say, with muscle damage, obviously, it'll grow the size of the muscle. But then, with the, met, with, with the pump, is that purely just a feeling in the moment? Or, like, for that sort of day? Or is there any sort of gains behind it, in a sense? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of kind of science behind the, the metabolic stress. Um, you know, by pushing, by cell swelling, it causes kind of cell swelling, um, and it pushes a lot of kind of metabolites into the body, and it has a link with, um, like anabolic, has quite a good anabolic effect. Uh, you know, if you look at bodybuilders, uh, especially years ago, a lot of them done a lot of higher up work, mm-hmm. so the, it, it, there's a lot of correlation there with the size of muscle, but what they're kind of saying now is it's everything that you're doing has a correlation with muscle yeah. size. Um, so mechanical tension, so you're looking from the strength side of it, and yes, it's you know you need some strength that has a different type of muscle building approach, but it still contributes to the size of the strength of the muscle. Yeah. And then muscle damage. With the muscle damage, you look more here as technique, I would say. So you've got to slow the weight down, really kind of lower it down, slow. Yeah. Create some damage. That's when you get the damage in the muscle is when you have a slow eccentric phase, so if the lower. So we're thinking of a squat, top of a squat lowering that down nice and slow that's what's going to create that muscle damage so it's like the time under tension yeah time under tension 
Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. See, the metabolic stress is just t-shirts, when, muscles. When you look in the mirror and you see that your biceps are about four, 40 inches bigger, and that's an exaggeration. Won't. 40 inch biceps are that's really impressive for an 18 year old disclaimer no 40 inch biceps were made and, uh, <laughs> not, yet. not yet in progress in progress probably in progress. 14 uh, and yes that's in basically last part was what is the optimal amount of uh, sorry what is the optimal amount to work out per week this is again subjective there's no optimal amount what time have you got available? Um, you know, what other things have you got on in your life? How much intensity, how much volume have you got in your program? There's, there's a lot of factors to consider. But if I was going to put a figure out, yeah, I would say a three times is a good chance. Is a good one. If you're more experienced, then you know you could do more. If you're less experienced, do less. Yeah. Build it up over time, and then there's no. To be honest, if you just get in and do something, it's better than even if that was once a week. It's nothing. better than doing nothing. What yeah. I would say, just don't train for the sake of training. Uh, that is probably a big thing a lot of people do. They think the more they do, the better they'll get. And actually it has an adverse effect. Mm-hmm. Because you overtrain, um, you under-recover, your performance suffers. Uh, probably this is the best thing to say, or the biggest thing to point out is, if your performance is poor in the gym, the results are going to be poor. If you can come to the gym and nail it, and perform well, most of the time, you'll get that results. So more training. Think of quantity. Think of quality over quantity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't have anything to add to that one. Well, no, that was that was that was the training. So that was the training podcast. Uh, how would you find that, Aaron? Yeah, I thought it was good. A lot of stuff was sort of new to me, and sort of just wanted to ask a few more questions just to get it. So yeah. I do, so it might have stopped, I think we went a little bit over our time limit on this one, just purely out of questions. Did a little bit. I hope I hope it wasn't too. I try to keep it as simplistic as I can. Um, I hope yeah. it hasn't confused people too much. I hope it was simplistic. If it wasn't, let us know. And I can maybe make it a little bit easier. To yeah, or anything that you want explaining more of, just ask us. Ask either one of us and we'll sort of if you give an answer. Or if there's enough questions, we'll talk about it fully in a separate podcast, cool. essentially. Definitely. I mean, hopefully that has maybe created questions. We'll break that down further and, and talk about it more. Because that was a lot of information. In, in, in a short space of, relatively short space of time yeah especially, especially the starting bit I was I kept on thinking of galactic when you were like um, glycolactic is that how you say glycolactic glycolactic I kept on thinking Galact- of galactic and I was like whoa I was like aliens getting <laughs> aliens doing bicep curls and I don't know why I just couldn't get that image on my head I know it's, it's one of them kind of words where you you can see it but then you can't I, 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 how, a, how do you yeah, I, yeah I every time I seen it, I was just a bit like every. I could visualize how I was saying. I've literally broke it down in my head. I just went like galactic. I get really paranoid at times when, when I try to come up with a word. I know what it is, but then you kind of you start mixing it up in your head. Yeah, and you try to say it, and it just it just comes out like you did completely wrong. You're like shit. Sometimes I just make up words to be fair, sort of like. As long um, as you know what it is, I know that's what matters the most, isn't it? As long as you know what you're talking about, Aaron, that's fine. That's fine, then I can just explain it. Exactly. Well, uh, we'll leave it there for the day, because we have gone over quite a bit. Uh, we hope that was interesting, hope you got some information from it. Uh, and we'll catch up with you next, next week. week. Yeah. Enjoy the rest of your day, guys. Goodbye.